Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World, Hank Waters. I'm Charlie Pellet. We have got 13 minutes to go ahead of the close on this Tuesday. Stocks mixed, S&P lower by a point, little change, swinging between gains and losses. The Dow also little change, but holding on to a gain now of 10 points, up by about one-tenth of one percent. NASDAQ up 17, up three-tenths of one percent. The 10-year up 430 seconds, yield there 2.36 percent. Gold up 270 the ounce to 12.15, up two-tenths of one percent. West Texas Intermediate Crude up 72 cents a barrel, 45.12, a gain there of 1.6 percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Charlie Pellet, thank you very much. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets. Time for the Bloomberg ETF report brought to you by BlackRock. Worried about market volatility? Minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. To learn more, please visit blackrock.com slash factors prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. Here at the Bloomberg ETF report, Bloomberg's Jenna Dagenhart. Vanguard's inflows are proving it can do much more than index funds. Vanguard is reshaping the whole asset management business in a similar way that Amazon is reshaping retail. And the flows are so strong, um, not even the words of their founder can stop them. Bloomberg Intelligence ETF analyst Eric Balchunas calls Vanguard, quote, bogle-proof. Even the areas that their founder, Jack Bogle, has been criticizing over the last several months and several years, even those areas are taking in money. For example, Bogle has been no fan of ETF. Um, he thinks they're like handing an arsonist a match. He thinks people try to trade them too much. But Vanguard ETFs have taken in $77 billion. Vogel has also bashed international funds and smart beta, but they're still doing well. Vogel was uh, at a couple conferences this year where he basically said smart beta – uh, makes claims they can't fill and uh, said it wasn't a good way to invest. And uh, Vanguard's smart beta funds have taken in about 25. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Jenna Dagenhart. All right, Jenna, thank you so much. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets. Carol Messer along with Corey Johnson on this Tuesday. And uh, just taking a look, Corey, uh, at some of the most read stories on the Bloomberg today. And uh, one is uh, Senate Republican leaders dropping provisions that would repeal two taxes on high earners in a revised draft of their health care bill sent to the Congressional Budget Office, according to uh, GOP senators. Republican leaders now planning to retain Obamacare's 3.8 percent tax on net investment income for people who earn more than $200,000 and couples with incomes over $250,000, as well as a nine-tenths of a percent Medicare surtax on the same income. So, uh, you know, they're working their way through things, but it's so interconnected, right? You need to kind of work through health care before you can figure out kind of the tax cuts. Uh, and then all of this, of course, plays into a new budget bill. Well, there's a complicated way that they intend to pass this stuff without uh, getting with, with tax changes without getting a majority number of votes, which is to say they want to do it through reconciliation, and they can only do that once a year thanks to Senate rules. It appears. Right. So they really do. They have these things stacked up so they can sort of use reconciliation to pass health care. Then they think they can sort of pass a double bill with the, with the health care changes already agreed to, uh, assuming they can agree to them, and then slap them all together in one massive bill that also includes the tax package and then use reconciliation for that. But if they can't get the health care thing done, right. it starts, you know, it, it start, and they use reconciliation for it, uh, a vote, it starts to get uh, funkier. Uh, and so it, it's these are very much related, not just in terms of the order in which they want to do them, but in the order in which they need to do them, given the, the slim majority of Republicans in the Senate. Right. Now the Senate has two more weeks, according to Senate Majority Leader, to work on that. They're pushing off that vacation for a couple of weeks. All right, you are listening to Bloomberg. Down, boy, you turn me inside. 
Chris Canero joins us right now. He's a CEO at Regent Atlantic. Glad to have you looking at, uh, at the world of tech stocks. And, and I have to say a stock that I've been paying a lot of attention to uh, often and particularly of late has been Amazon. You know, when they said their first uh, Amazon Prime Day, which they're doing today, three years ago, the stock was pretty stagnant over the course of a year. And since then, it's launched. It was about 320 bucks a share then. It's trading near $1,000 a share right now. And I wonder what you make of, uh, of Amazon in the world of tech stocks. Um, so I think Amazon is one of those stocks that leaves you scratching your head because it's a, it's an awesome service. I love Amazon, but I just won't buy the stock. And I won't buy the stock just because I, they still haven't figured out how to return a profit to their shareholders. Um, and at some point, you can keep increasing market share and keep doing a great job on service, but you've got to return a profit at some point. Does this remind yeah, you of any other company? Like, go back to uh, the tech bubble of 1999. Does it remind you of any other? No, seriously. I'm just curious if there is something well, that, out there that we should learn from. <laughs> well, you know, I think I think the, all of the fangs, um, with perhaps the exception of you know of less or so Google, but but they're all like a mini version of 1999 to me. You know, cert- certainly Amazon and Netflix. They they they're 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 much more mature than a lot of the companies we have. In '99, but at the same time, they just—they're—they're—they haven't figured out how to turn this awesome thing that they have into a profit-making machine. And so, as a you know, while they can bring great services and, and really make our life terrific, putting them in my portfolio, I, I would much rather buy some sound tech stocks like Apple that has figured out how to make a profit and return profits to shareholders um, over something like an Amazon that really hasn't figured out how to do that yet. Well, um, I mean, or hasn't- uh, can, I, can I suggest that they're, 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 they're different, uh, that, that, you know, not just playing devil advocate here, but uh, uh, that, that you know, compare Netflix to Amazon, I mean, you know, Amazon's doing, you know, massive, a massive valuation, but it's doing tons of cash flow from operations, even $10 billion in free cash flow uh, in the last year. Whereas if you look at, at uh, uh, Netflix, Netflix has got a, a $70 billion market cap and is blowing through nearly $2 billion in free cash flow in the last year, and it's getting worse. Right. That's, that's true. Of the, of the two, and Amazon is a far more diverse company, and Amazon has a, you know, has a very rich infrastructure side on the cloud. Um, but still, you're, you know, the, I, I see the, I, I mean, I don't see the direction of where you're actually going to start turning this thing and returning profit to shareholders instead of keep reinvesting and gaining more market share in different, in different business areas. It's a bigger and bigger hamster wheel, you're saying. Exactly, and at some point it just gets more and more complex. And and as a, as an investor, I'd rather choose something. I'd rather choose something where there's less risk um, involved because there's a clear direction there, and you're returning profits to shareholders. All right, which is why you like Apple. Which is why I like Apple. Apple is, you know, Apple has its risks in, in itself because they're so heavily dependent on the iPhone. But it, when you when you look at it, they are they are hugely profitable. And from a valuation perspective, when you strip out the amount of cash that they have, they're selling it at about a 15 PE, which is uh, which is an awesome price for such a brand name, such a marquee name. Six hundred billion, I think, in cash. Four hundred fifty billion, six hundred billion for fiscal year twenty seventeen. Uh, it's kind of nutty. Hey, you also like Citigroup among the financials. What what's up with Citigroup that 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 one kind of stands out for you? Um, it stands it stands out for me for for two big themes. One, one theme is just that 
as uh, short rates continue to rise, uh, more and more of Citigroup's uh, operations become more and more profitable to them. And and, um, and the second one is that they are uh, the best play as a real multinational bank. And if 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 you believe that the emerging markets uh, and those economies are going to grow, Citigroup has has far has far more into those areas than any other major bank. So for those two reasons, I like Citigroup out of the financials. I think the financials overall are pretty um, are pretty well beaten down and and one of the better values. And I think out of those, Citi is uh, is 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 my choice as as the one that should uh, do the best out of that. Does it torture you that value uh, investing has not done as well as it has done historically in the last year or so? <laughs> it, uh, well, you know, value it's it's been a, it's been a difficult seven years to be a value investor, uh, but that's that's okay. That's um, you know that the uh, be, being someone that wants to buy something at a bargain uh, it, it takes it takes a lot of patience and perseverance, um, but over time you do get rewarded by it, and so. If you can, if you can hang in there and have the conviction, uh, you'll get rewarded. Chris Cordero, uh, glad to have you on. CEO of Regional Atlantic, uh, looking at those names for us, and uh, glad to have his work on that. Listen to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Corey Johnson in San Francisco at Corey TV on Twitter. She's at Carol Masser on Twitter, and this is Bloomberg.